0: Welcome, Hoosier fans, to another victorious episode of the Assembly Call as tonight your Indiana Hoosiers celebrate Valentine's Day by defeating the Illinois Fighting Illini 78-68 to in a game that was marred by so many foul calls and so many free throws and some really ugly and sloppy play at times, but ultimately it goes in the record books for the Hoosiers as a W. It gets the Hoosiers back over 500 in Big Ten play at 8-7, 15-12 overall. Uh, And, you know, I think in some ways represented some growth for this team because Indiana did not come out with their a effort and with their a game, especially early in both halves. But they were able to weather some kind of lackluster play and still, uh, you know, find a way to make enough plays, grind out enough plays to get a 10 point win over a team that they should beat and that they did beat. And we will break it all down for you here on this edition of the assembly call iu post game show i'm jared morris here with my valentines for the evening Andy bottoms and ryan phillips that's uh that's how dedicated we are to this we uh we're here for you late very late <laughs> on a wednesday night on a valentine's day night uh to talk about this iu illinois game and let's start tonight's show as we start every show and that is with our hoosier proud banner moment and I mean, who else gets the banner moment but Jawan Morgan? He was absolutely magnificent tonight, even though it wasn't one of his better games offensively. How he played defensively was just terrific. And there was one play in particular that was bigger than all the rest. You know, if you go back and think about the way that this game started in, in the second half, Indiana had a 10-point lead and had really you know, controlled action in the first half after that lackluster start. They'd used a 14-0 run to gain control, went into halftime with the 10-point lead, but came out in the second half and Illinois just kind of systematically chipped away, chipped away, chipped away, and all of a sudden, it's 51-49. to Illinois has a sizable amount of momentum and things feel like they're starting to teeter a little bit. And LaRon Black seals Juwan Morgan, gets a pass. It looks like he's going to go up for an easy two and Jawan Morgan recovers and makes just one of his many incredible blocks on the evening. It kept the score at 51 to 49, prevented Illinois from tying it, and they would never get any closer. I believe on the next possession down, uh, Morgan got fouled and made one free throw. That made it 52 to 49. And then a couple of possessions later, Jawan drove into the lane, dished it out to Al Durham, who knocked down a three pointer. That made it 55 to 49. And that allowed Indiana to open up some space. And they would kind of keep it there and nurse that lead, make enough free throws for the rest of the game to keep it out there. But that block by Juwan Morgan, one of his... How many blocks did he have tonight? Five blocks. He had four steals. Uh, We're going to have to check the stats because I really wonder if an IU player has ever had four steals and five blocks in the same game. Certainly if they have, uh, it hasn't happened often. And it probably hasn't been combined with 14 points, three assists, and 10 rebounds. It was really a terrific game from Juwan Morgan, and when this team really needed a play to help keep that lead, Juwan was there to come up with a big defensive play. Our banner moment, as always, brought to you by our friends at Hoosier Proud, an Indiana-based t-shirt and apparel company that is by Hoosiers and for Hoosiers. If you want to know why, you should go to HoosierProud.com and check them out. I will give you a few really good reasons. Number one, their designs. They're awesome. You can go there and get our assembly call t-shirts. You can go and get officially licensed Indiana gear, including the AJ Moyer t-shirts that we told you about uh, earlier this season and have continued to remind you about. And then of course you've got their flagship products. They're just really interesting designs inspired by unique elements of the Hoosier State. Something there for everybody. So check out their designs at hoosierproud.com. And when you do, the second reason to go there is you're supporting Indiana-based charities. That's something that Connor and the team at Hoosier Proud are committed to doing. And if you go to their website, you will find the Indiana-based charities that they support and that your t-shirt purchases will go to support. And the number three reason is that you save money. When you use the promo code ASSEMBLY, A-S-S-E-M-B-L-Y, you save 15% on your entire order, not just your Assembly Call t-shirts, but everything that is in your shopping cart, 15% off. Again, the promo code is ASSEMBLY, and the website is HoosierProud.com. All right, it is time to move the ball, find the open man, and get some opening thoughts from the rest of our team. And we start with Andy and his Bottoms Line, brought to us by iutickets.shop.
1: Well, I think tonight we'll dub the game of unexpected contributions because, uh, you know, the bench in total had almost half of IU's points, 38 of the 78. Uh, Al Durham, Josh Newkirk, and Justin Smith all scored in double figures uh, in total, had those 38 points, went 14 of 19 from the field. Uh, and and really just provided a huge lift after the slow start that that you mentioned. You know Justin Smith and uh, and Al Durham really had some big minutes in the first half and really kind of pulled IU out of the the doldrums that they seemed to start the game in. And then Josh Newkirk, who really uh, had struggled of late, started the game pretty poorly. Still made some mistakes, but he made some just big shots with the shot clock running out. Uh, Some drives to the basket and, uh, you know, exciting to see him, you know, be able to to contribute for a guy whose confidence was really wavering, you could tell. Um, And so just huge contributions from those guys to really overcome. Uh, you know, some some ugly turnover numbers, 18 in total, 14, I think, by the guards uh, overall. So, um, you know, not a lot of good things to talk about in that regard, but a uh, huge lift from the, the bench and uh, certainly one of the more balanced performances we've seen from IU um, this season and, and probably in a lot recently. I think six guys had at least nine points uh, when you throw Freddie McSwain in the mix for that. So um, balanced effort, found a way to win a game that they, you know, should have won at home um and so i think that's it is kind of a sign of growth there's certainly stuff to nitpick um that we can talk about from the game but you know good for them to to come out and get a win third straight win um you know able to get a, a home win and actually shot uh 75 from the free throw line in the second half so if there's anything good that came out of the uh you know, seemingly endless parade to the free throw line in the second half. At least it was that IU uh, knocked him down from there at a rate far better than what we've seen from that most of the season.
0: <laughs> yes. All right, now we go for Ryan's Rant, brought to us by TheBigLead.com.
2: Yeah, I, I thought that the both teams kind of came out. I mean, Illinois got some results early with, with their offensive rebounding and a little bit of energy, but I thought both teams seemed pretty flat throughout the first half. Indiana probably could have been up 20 in the first half, but offensively there was just sort of – it was either – you know, they were kind of flat and just off, or maybe there was a little bit of rust because they've been playing so much in in such a short period of time. And then to get four days off, uh, I I don't know what it was, but they were just a little, you know, a half second late with everything tonight. Um, I thought in the second half that, you know, you saw stretches of them playing better uh, on both ends of the floor, but I thought the defense was pretty darn good throughout. Um, If you don't send the opposing team to the free throw line 30 times this you know probably doesn't end up being 68 points allowed. Uh I think that's that's a pretty safe assumption there. Um but the one thing I do want to mention is you know again with the Big 10 officiating 47 fouls called tonight, 59 free throws, nobody wants to see that. Like what you're doing to the product. <laughs> by doing that is so lame. And, and Indiana was... Yeah, a but Illinois also fouls on, like, every possession. They do, but, you know, also, you have to realize it, 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 what I'm... What I, Also, what I'm recognizing is the fouls wound up about even, but Indiana was the beneficiary of some ticky-tack calls in that first half. And Indiana was, you know, in the bonus with 13 minutes left. And I'm still complaining about it because it slowed the game down. There was no flow. It was almost the last five minutes. It got kind of close, but it was just a slog to even get through those last five minutes. So I just... I don't know. I, I do agree. Illinois is a very aggressive defensive team that uses their hands a lot, which is, you know, leads to a lot of foul calls. But I just felt like it was almost they were almost artificially making up for it. On you know, they could they make one bad call. And then instead of being like, okay, let's not make any more bad calls, they try and even it up with a bad call to the other team. Then they make another bad call and you have to even it up. I mean, it was just, it was ridiculous. And that game was so slow. And and look, Indiana won. It's a good win for them. It was one they needed to have. It's a Wednesday game, uh, kind of an odd, you know, late start and all that stuff. And they pulled it together. They won. Um, and, you know, one thing that was impressive to me was how big they out rebounded illinois after a very bad start on the glass to out rebound 34 to 23 after starting out giving up four offensive rebounds on the first like three possessions um, that was pretty great and so you know credit to indiana for battling through what was a tough game to stay focused to because of how much of a slog it was i think there are probably some fans who are disappointed that your
0: rant was not about how empty the student section was tonight
2: I wasn't there, so I can't really comment on it, quite frankly. Well, our
0: own Michael Dugan was there. He he had really good tickets for the game, and he said it was pretty pathetic, and that, that's what most of the reports were.
2: Yeah. I mean, that's what I was reading too. I, 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 you know, I didn't get a whole lot of crowd shots. We didn't get a whole lot of crowd shots probably for good reason, but uh, you know, it's ridiculous. If you're not, if you have student tickets and you're not going, you should have your student tickets taken away. I'm sorry. That's, that's the way I feel right now. And that's the way I've always felt kind of, if, you're, if you buy them, you should go. If you're not going to go, you know, give them up. And and give someone else a chance to get in there. And if you if you're a
0: current IU student, and you have a Valentine more important than Jawan Morgan. I just don't I don't see how that's Look, possible.
2: Look, you're in college. Stay up late, go out afterwards, or go to dinner before. Take your date to the game, and then you can go out after. Come on, now. <laughs> All right, you're
0: listening. None of you
2: guys are dating anyway. You're doing the we're hanging out thing. That's not important <laughs> enough to miss a basketball game. <laughs>
0: You're listening to the Assembly Call IU post game show. I'm Jared Morris here with Ryan Phillips and Andy Bottoms breaking down Indiana's 10 point victory over Illinois. So, Andy, you know, this was not a good game for Devontae Green. And it's been a big storyline how well he has played lately. He did not play well tonight. He, you know, had three points, had four turnovers. He had a stretch in the second half of three straight possessions where. It was turnover, turnover, bad shot. And he, I think he got yanked out of the game pretty soon after that. I think that that was close to when he hurt his ankle. And, you know, when he went out, you know, when he got hurt and wasn't playing well, I started to get really nervous about this game because this is a particularly poor matchup for us, given that we have guards who aren't very good at dribbling which, you know, I know is kind of an odd thing to say, but it's true. I mean, Josh Newkirk, Robert Johnson, they aren't great ball handlers. They aren't great decision makers, you know, on the move. Uh, And, you know, and Al Durham at this point in his career is a guy who's really just trying not to make mistakes when he's handling the ball, not going to really create for anybody. To his credit, you know, he really did a nice job of scoring points. But I got really nervous, you know, that Indiana was going to struggle if Devontae Green either was ineffective enough to not play or hurt to not play. And he didn't play a lot there down the stretch. And it was kind of one of those where Robert and Josh kind of did just enough you know, to break the press and get the ball up to Jawan Morgan uh, on certain possessions. Um, but this, it, you know, look, fortunately, Indiana doesn't have to play Illinois again. But doesn't this just kind of seem like a particularly bad matchup to you, given how much our guards tend to struggle with on-ball pressure, especially
1: Josh and and Robert? Well, I think, and Ken Bykoff was pointing this out a few times. You know, when guys got sped up, they made poor decisions, and that's what Illinois wants to do: is to get you sped up and do that. I mean, the reality is that if IU once they were able to break the press and not aimlessly dribble around the mid court line, they made twenty of 2 point shots. So, you know, you're going to be able to score. It was just a matter of could they, you know, take care of the ball. They're just telegraphing passes, um, you know, making some some kind of lazy obvious passes and then at other times you know all the you know the baseball analogies of not trying to hit a home run you know things started so i think it was nick Baumgart on on twitter mentioned that you know the first half iu had really taken control looked like they were going to pull away and then Devonte tries to throw the you know 75 foot touchdown pass to uh you know down at the end and the, iu didn't lose the ball there but they started to get pretty loose at that point and and over the last In like a five or, you know, like a four-minute span, IU turned the ball over three or four times toward the end of the first half, and that really carried over um, into the second. And so um, you saw some of those, you know, he makes, you know, sees the pass to Al Durham where he's, you know, back cutting toward the basket, but it's like a laser to him that he just can't pull in. And, you know, again, that pass is there. There's opportunities for that, but you've just got to find a way you know, to make simpler plays and take care of the ball. But then once you get across half court, don't just stand there and dribble around while, you know, they can really, you know, get into you and pressure you. And, and even at times late in the game, IU settled for threes when, um, you know, they're really in foul trouble trying to figure that out. So, I, you know, I, I it definitely is not a good matchup for a team that doesn't have a ton of uh, what you would deem reliable ball handlers that don't make you hold your breath every time they're going up against the press. Um, so hopefully just kind of a blip for Devontae to um, you know slip up and and I thought he was one of the guys I remember having this conversation after the you know the first Illinois game where it didn't necessarily seem like um, you know people had things to nitpick with him but overall he had played relatively well. So it was kind of uh you know kind of a strange uh you know kind of a strange one for him uh, overall but um, hopefully just a blip and hopefully his ankle's not bothering him too much Yeah, get pulled up on pretty good.
0: Did did he stay on the floor? He didn't go to the locker room or anything, did he? Because I it looked really scary to me when I saw it, you know, live. The replay was yeah, not quite as bad, but
1: he got up and shot the free throw, and then I think he can and he missed it, and I think he came out shortly thereafter. I don't think he came back in. Although to be fair, IU didn't sub at all between I think it was about the seven forty five mark and until about a minute left. I mean, he really rolled with the guys that were out there, which was uh, I think it was uh, Newkirk, uh, Robert Johnson, Al. Yeah. Uh, Freddie McSwain and uh, and Juwan Morgan, just the just the kind of lineup you'd expect to uh, see this team close games <laughs> with. So, <laughs> yeah,
0: absolutely. All right. Uh, coming up here on the assembly call, I will point out tonight's meaningful moment that you might have missed. We will go inside the numbers, and in the course of that, we're going to talk about Indiana's freshman who really uh, had some key contributions tonight. That is next here on the assembly call. Stick with us. Hey, just a real quick note here. The next time that you are going to shop online for IU gear, use the URL iustore.shop. That will take you to the official IU online store where they have anything you could possibly want. Candy stripe pants, the Script Indiana warm-up shirt, all kinds of IU gear. And that URL, iustore.shop, is actually our affiliate URL. So when you use it, and buy something, we get paid a commission. So it's a great way for you to shop for the IU gear that you need and to support the assembly call at the same time. Again, the URL is iustore.shop. Please bookmark it and use it the next time you're looking to buy IU gear. We appreciate it. Now back to the show. You're listening to the Assembly Call IU Postgame Show. I am Jared Morse here with Andy Bottoms and Ryan Phillips celebrating Valentine's Day by breaking down Indiana's 10-point victory over the Illinois Fighting Illini, and it is time for tonight's meaningful moment that you might have missed. I've got a ton of other Jawan Morgan moments written down, and I'll save those for later. There were just there were so many of them, but I want to go back to the beginning of the first half and use this as kind of an entryway to talk more about the freshman because we mentioned that Indiana came out. I thought looked really sluggish early. You know, Ryan, you kind of mentioned that both teams looked a little bit sluggish, and I thought Indiana really got a nice spark from Justin Smith. Than Al Durham, uh, they scored uh, 13 of Indiana's first 19 points. You know, Justin in particular had a couple of really nice drives where he started with the ball outside the three point line and drove all the way to the basket. You know, two or three dribbles, uh, you know, absorb contact on one, made it. Um, you know, he ended up only playing, I think, 13, 14 minutes. Um, but while he was out there, was really effective offensively. And then Al Durham, you uh, You know, hit some really big shots, um, especially uh, in the second half, and had some early uh, that were really big too. And he finished with 14 points, five of six from the field. Um, Ryan, what did you see from those two guys tonight? Is this you know kind of a case of these two guys, you know, kind of starting to mature, freshmen become sophomores, as is often the cliche, Um, or is this kind of a one game aberration, and we shouldn't you know put too much into it?
2: I just saw confidence. I mean, that was was purely just confidence. And and guys who just felt, they clearly feel like they belong on this level. I think both of them, you know, hit a little bit of a freshman wall, uh, certainly with Al Durham. And we've seen him, even though he hasn't been scoring the last few games, he hasn't really been scoring. um, He's certainly played better. And then you saw that tonight, and and not just offensively. He was five of six offensively, two of two from three, uh, two of two from the free throw line, two rebounds, uh, one turnover. And he finished the 14 points in 24 minutes, but defensively he was all over the place and doing a great job. And he, it is really funny when he gets down in a stance on the perimeter and sticks his arms up and you're just like, okay, that's ridiculous. Like he's just, <laughs> his arms are so comedically long. It's just, it's, it's hilarious. But, um, I just thought he had a really good overall game. Again, you know, like we said with Devante, when Devante plays well, it's sort of, you know, he just didn't go out of his way to do anything crazy. He was sort of, Hey, if I've got an open shot, I'm going to shoot it. It was back cutting. It was, you know, driving into the lane when he needed to, not when, you know, there's, 25 seconds on the clock and you can make the extra pass. He, you know, he actually needed to get into the lane at the times he did finished well uh, for Justin Smith, five of seven from the field, three of five from the free throw line finished with uh, 13 points in 13 minutes, as you uh, alluded to. And what I liked about Justin was his aggressiveness, but he's still having issues finishing in a crowd. Um, and that, that's something that's got to change. And I think that part of that is strength. And part of that is just the natural process of getting stronger um you know as you get older and mature but there were a couple times I and mean, he the two shots he missed i mean i just felt like you know it, it they were there were makeable shots that he could have finished with a little extra strength but you know can't ask for everything to be perfect from a freshman as you said best thing that happens about freshmen is they become sophomores so um i yeah i I thought both of them played very well and and they played very focused basketball when they were on the floor and I think that's also a key this late in the season it's a grind you know especially with how compressed the schedule has been and they both looked you know engaged they didn't you know they weren't the guys who were having issues with turnovers you know they which is which is odd because you think that the freshmen would be the ones to struggle with you know the mental aspect and they weren't they were the more some of the more reliable guys, which I think is a positive when you look at their development and growth moving forward. Yeah, and the stretch that I meant to point out, I lost it in my notes here. It's when it was 14 to 12. And so
0: Illinois was actually in the lead. And Justin and Al scored seven straight points, you know, at a point in the game where Indiana had been struggling a little bit on offense. Justin had a nice drive. Al knocked down a three. And then Al had a nice little sidestep for a layup um, mm-hmm. on a breakaway. Uh gave Indiana a 19 to 14 lead and kind of opened up some space that again, you know, they would kind of nurse for the rest of that first half. Uh, Andy, I mean, you know, as as you look at those two guys again, you know, you look for reasons why Indiana can keep getting better as you go down the stretch here, and you know, the defense has gotten better. Devontae has obviously been a big reason why the team has played better over the last five or six games, though not necessarily tonight. You know, maybe there's still a little bit more potential there in Justin and in Al as, you know, we leave, you know, the Minnesotas and the uh and the Illinois of the world and, and get ready to play Nebraska and Ohio State, if we get some contributions from those guys, you know, that'll obviously go a long way towards giving Indiana a shot in those games. Yeah, I
1: thought Al in particular was Really, one of the more poised players on the court at, at times. It was a, I don't remember at what point, it was some point in the second half where, um, you know, things were a little bit frenetic. They got the ball across half court and he gathered himself for a minute, but didn't just kind of stand there. Eventually, you know, was able to drive and, and get a, you know, layup going to the basket, but he was doing it under control uh, and really made some smart decisions. And I thought Justin was really active. You know, you kind of see, you know him hit that face up jump shot in the first half, and it's kind of like, all right, well, just let him spend as much time as he can with Juwan right now, and then just try to figure out what the, uh, you know, that's the, you know, maybe the blueprint for him as you as you look forward. But you know, certainly, it, you know, for a lineup that they've settled on to start that includes, you know, both McRoberts and uh, and McSwain, as you know, we've kind of joked about how that has become, you know, the the go to lineup with the starters. I mean. You know, in the back of your mind, you still got to think like that's pretty unexpected and you're going to need other guys to step up at some point um, to provide a little bit of a spark offensively. And I think if those guys can play under control um, as they did tonight, because Justin Smith had a couple nice drives to the basket, but they weren't wildly out of control. And I don't remember which game it was. Maybe it was Rutgers um, that he was just kind of had the right idea, but was just so out of control and was getting himself called for fouls in that regard. And, and I thought he yeah. was much, you know, much smarter with those kinds of drives today. So good sign of maturity. He's certainly um, somebody who can who can put up points in, in big spots. He's, you know, uh, his contributions, you know, w- were a huge factor in winning that first Minnesota game and, uh, and certainly again tonight. So, uh, you know, good sign for both those guys, especially Al, who kind of struggled with his shot a little bit to knock down a couple threes, really took him confidently within the flow of the offense. So, uh, you know, hopefully he's kind of, hit hit through the freshman wall and maybe he's able to uh you know finish strong as well as he started
0: you're listening to the assembly call i'm jared morris here with andy bottoms and ryan phillips breaking down indiana's victory over illinois gentlemen it is time to go inside the numbers and i want to kick it off again by just reading juan morgan's stat line because it continues to amaze me 14 points
2: 10 rebounds three assists four steals five blocks
0: I I was surprised
2: he didn't have more than 10 rebounds because he got 10 rebounds with a few minutes left, too. He he didn't have any more rebounds after that. I almost felt like he had more blocks than that, too. And that's what I mean. Like, his stat line is incredible, and it felt
1: like he did more. Yeah, he blocked a couple after the whistle that were pretty impressive. Those were where he swatted in in, like, the third row, but. So I look
2: with five blocks.
0: Yeah, five blocks. And
1: I look forward to Ken Baikoff's
0: tweet telling us the last time a player was able to do something like that statistically, because Ken's always on point with that. I have to imagine that that is a unicorn stat line, a very rare stat line in the history of IU basketball, but especially the three assists. I mean, you just don't often see a guy who can get three assists, four steals and five blocks in a game. And it's just a testament to how active he was uh, and how skilled he is at so many different facets of the game. And I will say this. You know, I hyper-focus on Indiana. I don't watch a whole lot of other teams play. And so I can't say definitively that Juwan Morgan should be first team all Big Ten because I haven't watched enough of the other teams. But with every passing game, big. I find it really, really, really hard to believe that there are five players in the Big Ten
2: better than him. And, the only excuse for leaving him off is the team's record. That's, but that's stupid. I agree. I completely agree. <laughs> I 100% agree with you. Such bad criteria for picking the five
0: best players. Because, think about it. Take him off this team. How many wins does Indiana have? Seriously, two in conference play? One? Like, I mean... Not disagreeing
2: with you, Morris. I know. So, anyway. I'm with
0: you. Just just an aside there. uh, There'll probably be one of those each segment. Because I I thought Juwan was spectacular tonight. But... From a stats perspective, Andy, you know, you look at the rebounding numbers, and Illinois comes out of the gate and they get four offensive rebounds before the first media timeout, and you're thinking, "Uh-oh!" You know, Indiana really better shore up the rebounding. Well, they did because Illinois only finished with eight total for the game. Uh, Indiana cleans up 78.4 percent of Illinois' missed shots, so the Hoosiers do end up winning the rebounding battle. Uh, which I thought was a big part you know, of starting to slow Illinois down a little bit. And even though Illinois had some stretches where they got really hot, the Hoosiers held them a- another opponent to under a point per possession, 0.97 points per possession uh, for Illinois. And it's just, again, another sign of the culture change for this Indiana program because there were so many warts on the offensive end trying to break the pressure and the turnovers and still you know, not a great free throw shooting game and, and all of that. But still, another opponent comes in, and Indiana holds them under a point per possession, and that's just what this team does now. And it continues to be really impressive, so that is another number that jumped out to me. What else jumped out to you, Andy?
1: Uh, you know, assist numbers. It was hard. You know, field goals were uh hard to come by in the second half. I mean, IU only took seventeen shots in the second half because of all the free throws. Twenty-four free throws and seventeen uh, field goals. So good for the free throw rate, I guess. But um, you know, IU had fourteen assists on twenty-six makes. So if you're over that fifty percent mark. Um, is one I, I know that we've looked at the the free throw shooting was better for the game. It was sixty-nine percent, twenty of uh of twenty-nine for the game. And and again, as I mentioned, 18 of 24 in the second half. So I think that's a positive sign. You know, the number, one of the numbers you didn't mention about Juwan, he was six or seven from the line, uh, which is, is certainly very important for him. Uh, So that stood out, held Illinois to just 41% shooting and 21% from three. So, you know, those numbers continue to, to trend in a positive direction. I mentioned the two point shooting uh, for IU earlier. I thought that was, um, that was another big one. And I, I don't know what the, it it feels like it'd be interesting to go back and look at this when you kind of combine blocks and steals as some kind of proxy for defensive activity level. I mean that that added up to 15 tonight for IU six blocks, nine steals. Um, you know, I feel like we've we've continued to say that with with regularity uh, as the season has worn on. That that you know adding those numbers together has been you know typically in the mid. Uh, mid-teens, it feels like, um, and so I think that's a positive sign. Again, speaks well to the, how how the defense played. Um, certainly, the turnover number you know, sticks out as a as a negative. But other than that, um, there's not a whole lot to to nitpick from a, a performance standpoint. I think you know if IU doesn't turn the ball over, uh, it turns the ball over a few less times. The way that they you know were scoring and stretches IU probably wins by 18, and um, you know maybe the game takes less than you know two hours and 20 minutes to play. Who knows. <laughs>
0: Hey, you know, you're right. By the way, you, you mentioned Morgan going six or seven from the line. I mean, he also only had three personal fouls, despite being involved on almost every play and his ability to defend standing up, you know, guys bigger than him down low continues to amaze and he played 37 minutes. So, you know, he did everything but make a three pointer tonight. Ryan, you mentioned deflections in the chat. And, you know, I mean, it is kind of a ha-ha thing, you know, that we talk about after the, the previous coaching staff, but there were a lot of those too. I mean, there were three straight possessions in the second half where Indiana deflected a ball out of an Illinois player's hands and it went off the Illinois guy and we got it. Or two, and then the third one, they kept it. But it just showed you how active uh, Indiana's hands were. Ryan, what numbers jumped out to you?
2: Uh, just the shooting percentage, 59.1%, uh, 26 of 44 from the field. As you guys mentioned, you, you know, you mentioned the, um, the points per possession going up a little bit uh, you know still being under one per possession but also when you factor in that Illinois shot 30 free throws, that's going to go up. So you know if you think about it if the, there had been fewer fouls called maybe it winds
1: up being a little bit lower um, and it, you know I don't want to think about a world with fewer fouls Ryan So I refuse to uh, hypothesize what that might be like That's fair that's fair. <laughs> I mean,
2: why would why would you want a more cleanly played game? I mean, that's just that's silly. I know I'm I'm out of my depth. But again, the last uh, the last stat I wanted to go with again was rebounding. Thirty four to twenty three, out rebounded Illinois heavily with that shorter lineup that Indiana's been using. I know Illinois doesn't have a ton of size, but still, guys like Freddie McSwain getting uh, six boards, Robert Johnson six boards, du- Joan Morgan ten. The bench rebounded well. Um, you know, d- d- the ability to do that with a smaller, more active, quicker lineup, uh, is, is huge. And so, uh, kudos to the, the kudos to Indiana for picking that up, particularly on the defensive end. By the way, for those of you asking in the chat, uh, Ryan actually asked me before the show as well. These are not tattoos
0: that are here on my cheek. I did not get punched. They are Valentine's day stickers, uh, that my daughter placed on my face this morning and they have stayed on all day. And when you're, you know, when your daughter puts stickers on your face on Valentine's day, you can't take them off.
2: You look so, ridiculous.
0: <laughs> well, you know what? Someday she's going to watch this episode and she's going to say, you know what? My dad kept those stickers on. And frankly, I seek her approval more than yours. I really hope she doesn't watch this show. <laughs> you, something will have had to gone very wrong in her life someday. She's back watching an Indiana-Illinois game show. <laughs> Please don't. If you are watching this, just stop right now. Not you who are with us live, but my daughter. Don't do it. All right, coming up on the Assembly Call, we continue our breakdown of Indiana's victory over Illinois. We need to talk a little bit more about Robert Johnson, and so we will do that next here on the Assembly Call. Stick with us. You are listening to the Assembly Call IU postgame show. Catch us live immediately following every IU basketball game and every Thursday night on our YouTube channel, youtube.com slash assembly call. You can also view all of our live broadcasts right on our homepage at assemblycall.com. I am Jared Morris here with Andy Bottoms and Ryan Phillips talking about Indiana's victory over Illinois tonight that pushed the Hoosiers over 500 in conference play as they prepare for the stretch run with games coming up at Iowa at Nebraska and against Ohio State and one guy who is obviously going to have to play well for Indiana to win those games or two out of those three games is Robert Johnson. And Andy, you know, this this kind of felt like in a lot of ways kind of the quintessential Robert Johnson game for this season because you know, when you just think about it, to me I think about a lot of the mistakes that he made, like right off the bat. You know, I mean, he had six turnovers, you know, looked really tentative uh, on some of those plays, and those really stick out. But then, you know, you go back and you look at the stats, and he's tied for the team lead in points at 14. Had four assists to lead the team, you know, had six rebounds, so continues to kind of lead the way in terms of guards rebounding, which Archie Miller wants. And then you look at what Trent Frazier did, he was five of 14, and Robert played a lot of defense on him. And a couple of the threes uh that he made, as most of his threes have been this year, were pretty big at the time that he made them and kind of kept, you know, Illinois at arm's length. So, you know, it's, it's kind of just like I said, the quintessential Robert Johnson game, because there were a lot of mistakes there that kind of stuck out like sore thumbs, but overall plenty more good than bad, uh, you know, in a game where Indiana really needed a contribution like this from Robert.
1: Yeah. I mean, if you, if you cut the turnovers in half, you're talking about him, maybe not in the same way as Juwan Morgan, but if you have, you know, a few less turnovers that might lead to a couple more points and uh you know, things like that, that, that to me was the, you know, the big spot that sticks out is there was just times when he just made just terrible passes <laughs> for lack of a better term. And, you just, you know, need more from you, you know, normally you would you would sit there and say, Oh, there's senior guards out there, everything's gonna be fine. And then you find yourself watching the game, you know, clutching, you know, digging your fingernails into your leg, hoping that nothing terrible happens. It's like the exact opposite of what you would expect. And that's what a quaint thought. Yeah. <laughs> senior guards. Everything. Yeah, senior guards. Everything's gonna be fine. And then it's like, holy crap, everything is everything's just gonna go. Just get the ball across half court and get it to Juwan. Just yeah. That was yeah. you have one so, job. <laughs> yeah, that's where we are. Exactly. So I think that, I mean, I think that sums it up well. And so, um, but, but you're right. He hit some timely shots. He made all three of his two point shots, um, missed a couple free throws down the stretch, uh, which he obviously like to see him hit in, um, you know, if the game was a little bit closer than it was at the time that he missed those. But yeah, I mean, he did, you know, he created opportunities for other players at times. Mm-hmm. Um, you know turn the ball over trying to do the same thing at others and and certainly rebounding i felt like he got a lot of those late um you know was really able to 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 get in and and you know work that into the of the game because that's something that obviously we've we've talked about all the you know emphasis on guard rebounding and things like that so yeah it was it was definitely a mixed bag um i think we'd view this game a lot differently for him if it weren't for the turnovers but i do think defensively um you know he continues to draw the assignment of the the other team's best perimeter player uh, and has really done a good job of, of trying to fight through screens and things like that. There was a lull for a while tonight where I, you really struggled, you know, Illinois is just, you know, bunching, you know, two guys together and the communication wasn't as good in some of those stretches, but I thought he did a really good job of making them work, trying to push Frazier, you know, to his offhand. And, and I thought, um, played really well on that end of the floor. Uh, Sean Morris pointed that out a couple of times. And so as much as I try not to agree with Sean Morris, I thought that was a, a, a well-made point by him, uh. Perhaps most stunning of all, Sean Morris was referencing like advanced analytics and talk. well, I, I don't know if offensive rebound percentage is advanced analytics, but he was like quoting that. And I was like, I, I'm not sure what's happening right now. Um, he, he, I was waiting for him to weave in a good dad joke. Somewhere thereafter, but he actually was uh, just stuck with statistical analysis, which was was a little bit concerning. After to what me.
0: we heard Friday night, Sean Morris was a welcome change. Was they, welcome in Bloomington anytime. Uh, yeah, <laughs> yeah. just maybe not that forest green jacket that he was wearing. Like, stay out of Tom Izzo's closet before you come to Bloomington. Just the only request. Uh, let's bring in uh, President of the Freddie McSwain Fan Club, Ryan Phillips, uh, who finds a way to give Freddie the game ball every game. Uh, Ryan, if I had told you that. Really kind of the dagger basket in this game would have been Al Durham going back door and Freddie McSwain throwing a little bounce pass off the dribble with one hand. Uh, what would you have said?
2: I, the best part about that was as he threw it, he kind of like <laughs> turned his head like he was throwing a no-look pass. It was like, nice, Freddie. boy. <laughs> Put some
1: mustard you know, on that hot dog. I like it. He you know, tried and to and cross somebody up in the first half, too. It was, it was amazing.
0: He did. And you know what? That is a play... First off, that is not a play in the playbook. There there is there's is no play where Archie Miller wants Freddie McSwain to take to start dribbling from outside the three-point line and drive all the way in. But to Freddie's credit, that was the only bucket he missed all night. I mean, he was 2 for 3, you know, 9.6 boards and after a bit of a rough start, you know, I thought really kind of settled down uh, and gave Indiana some really good minutes again, just out there doing Freddie McSwain things.
2: 5 of 8 from 3, if from for the free throw line, which is uh uh, perfect Freddie territory. I don't think anybody's upset when he goes five of eight from the free throw line. Um I'm oh. upset when he shoots it at all, but if you know you're gonna go five of eight, that's fine. Uh but no I, I thought it was a great game for Freddie as always. I think that uh you know you know what you're gonna get from him and you're gonna get a ton of effort and the and the 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 his ability to help and recover defensively and to continue to move his feet against bigger players is, is huge. You know, where guys try and push him up the lane maybe and try and, you know, get behind him. He'll spin off and get, you know, to the other side, get to the correct side and, and be active that way. Um, you know, really a positive game for Freddie again, and he's really, I mean, you can't say enough about him. The guy is is putting in a ton of work and getting the most out of his physical ability, and you don't get to say that about a whole lot of people, and, and he certainly is doing that. And I thought it was great tonight that when he came out, the, um, the fans gave him a huge ovation, uh, and, and he deserves it. He certainly deserves it.
0: You're listening to the Assembly Call. I'm Jared Morris here with Andy Bottoms and Brian Phillips talking about Indiana's victory over Illinois. Another guy I'd like to talk about, Andy, is Zach McRoberts. And you know he had that stretch uh, there in the middle of of conference play from the Maryland game to the Ohio State game, where he played at least 31 minutes in every game. Since that stretch, since he played 33 minutes at Ohio State, he's played 18, 25, 26, and 20. And a big part of the reason for that is he's been in foul trouble a lot more recently than than he was in the past. Is there? And and, and I'll tell you the other thing about Zach is, and tell me if you're getting the same sense. He seems a little less solid offensively to me. Like it, I feel like he's maybe forcing a few more passes. Like he just it, it feels like he's maybe trying to do a tad too much. And again, we have been calling for him to you know to shoot more and get a little bit more involved offensively. But I feel like, you know, maybe some of that involvement is, you know, him maybe trying to force a pass here or there, and so he's turning the ball over a little bit more. And in fact, he's had four turnovers in the last four games. And I mean, he didn't—he had three turnovers over the previous like thirteen games. So, you know, Zach, a guy still that you can count on. His defense is obviously still very good, but you know, the foul trouble is becoming a bit of an issue, and, and and turning the ball over just a bit more. And he's a guy that you really you can't get turnovers from him offensively because he doesn't really give you a ton uh, on offense. So he's got to minimize those. Not huge concerns, but you know, again, as you kind of look at the margins for for what Indiana can do to just keep getting better, I think you know being able to keep Zach on the floor for a little bit more to have his defense uh, will be helpful.
1: Yeah, I think that you know the challenge is he seems very reluctant to shoot again after having a couple games where he he shot the ball relatively well. I mean, if you look at the last three games he's played. 71 minutes and taking one shot. Um, So I think that's, you know, the other part that becomes difficult where, you know, again, nobody's asking him to go out and take, you know, six to eight shots a game, but he's, you know, I think teams again are starting to see he's looking to pass all the time. And the one he turned over in the backcourt, I mean, it was, that you know Frazier's just sitting there, you know, looking at his chops knowing this guy wants to get rid of the ball and and just, you know, kind of baited him into that pass and, and jumped in the passing lane. So I don't think a huge concern. I think the foul trouble is is more of a concern. But for me, again, he's gotta try to strike that balance of of being enough of a threat offensively to, to take shots um, that, you know, he's not out there for such long stretches where the you know, opposition feels like they don't really even need to guard him. Um, but what do you want to sound the, the Ken Palm alarm that that's been updated? and <laughs> now he's up to 50th in uh, defensive efficiency. Uh, I was just
0: going to do a pop quiz and ask you that.
1: Oh, well, little, little did you know that I was <laughs> already, I was already refreshing it. So
0: this is, this is how we operate here on the assembly call. We're refreshing while we're doing the, uh, the show um but you guys are i'm just hanging out you're, you're watching skiing or He's watching
1: ice dancing I
0: think. <laughs> yeah so some winter olympic sport right now but I mean, look, Andy, let's take a moment and reflect on that since Ryan is not interested in talking advanced not metrics. At all. Not at we all. did it was very conspicuous earlier. Guy. No, it was very conspicuous earlier, Ryan, how you mentioned the rebounding numbers and went with the raw totals, which I thought was so like nineteen ninety-eight of you. That was that was Great. terrific. Yeah, because yeah, I'm a normal human
2: being who looks at such <laughs> things.
0: Um but seriously, Indiana sitting at 50th in defense is a team that was in the 200s earlier this season. And again, even though you look at some stretches tonight and, and giving up 68 points to Illinois wasn't as impressive as what they did against Rutgers in Minnesota, it was still another game where they you know, improved their overall defensive efficiency and just another step in the right direction. And, and here's the bigger point here, and Ryan, I do want to get your thoughts on this, is I thought this was a game where Indiana got a lot of its energy from defense. You know, I mean, obviously they were struggling offensively to get any continuity, but there were so many plays. And, you know, again, I mentioned these earlier, you know, some of these other plays in my notes from Jawan Morgan, but, you know, he had that steal and dunk uh, in the first half that I thought, or maybe that was early in the second half, but I thought that was a really big play Um, that that put Indiana up 23-14. to 14. It was part of that big 14-0 run that Indiana used in the first half to kind of blow the game open. You know, all the block shots that he had, some of you know the defensive rebounds that he had, This team, this program's identity now is defense. Like, I think that is pretty safe to say. And it was so evident in a game like tonight where you come out and you don't have a ton of energy. It's not like you make some threes early to get it, but it's like in this game, Indiana kind of grinded themselves into energy on the defensive end. And then it helped, you know, they got some transition buckets out of it on offense. Uh, And it's just, you know, a testament to the turnaround that has been done within this season, which continues to be really impressive.
2: Yeah, I think you have to be more perfect and and fine with your movements to get momentum off of offense. I think it it's you got to hit a lot of shots, you got to do this, you got to do that, maybe have big dunks. Whereas defensively, just a stop can get you momentum. I mean, just simply stopping the other team, you know, you get a shot clock violation, you get a steal, whatever. Those are big momentum swings. But just playing solid defense, getting a stop and getting a good rebound can build momentum. And and uh, we've we've mentioned this before, is that if you play great defense, it makes the game so much easier in every other aspect because you can have an off night offensively and, 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 you know, Indiana had an off night early and, and wound up, you know, improving as it went, but it, you know, it just makes everything else so much easier when you can rely on yourself to get stops, get rebounds, not give up second chance points. And, you know, part of that too, is not turning the ball over, which Indiana Did tonight a lot, you know, but if you don't turn it over, you don't give the other team easy buckets. You make them work for baskets. And if you play good defense, you make the other team work for baskets, expend their energy offensively. And then when they're playing defense, they're not going to be as engaged or as tough. I mean, guys get discouraged when they miss shots, when they're, you know, do everything they can and can't score. Uh, It it changes the way the game flows. And, And so we said that a lot, you know, it's, it's, it's a lot, it's a lot easier to play from the defensive end out as opposed to the other way around. And, you know, the degree of difficulty drops when you play solid defense and you're seeing that from Indiana, they're winning games with defense. I mean, scored 78 points tonight. Great. But that game was won on the defensive end and, and it was one, uh, you know, on the glass by rebounding and, and not letting Illinois get second chance points. So, um, Really, I thought an excellent performance, and you're you're right. I mean, they are building momentum through defense, and it's it's. I mean, it's obvious to see when you watch the team play.
0: Yeah, and in Indiana second in the conference in defensive efficiency, giving up 0.983 points per game in conference play. And Indiana fourteenth in that stat last year. And Andy, as we mentioned on uh, Assembly Call Radio or one of our recent shows, if you go to barttorvik.com, another advanced analytics site where you can actually you know look at the stats based on different time windows over the last 10, 11 games, Indiana third in the country in defensive efficiency behind Virginia and Cincinnati. So, you know, obviously, you're never going to get rid of the Fort Wayne game and the Indiana State game and the Howard game and some of the really, really bad performances that are baked into the stats right now. But, you know, the team that Indiana is right now is essentially one of the best defensive teams in the country. Um, And, you know, that is uh, given where this program has been and where they were just a couple of months ago. uh, It's it's obviously a testament to the coaching staff because they've done a great job installing their system, teaching it to the guys, but it is definitely a big Testament to the guys for buying in and essentially doing a complete one hundred and eighty from what their identity was. And to be able to do that and now to have so much confidence doing it and to be winning games because of it, you know, we'll see what it means for the rest of this season. And if it leads to any type of success in the big 10 tournament or anything like
1: that, but such a great sign just for the future direction of the program. Yeah. I mean, it, it it's just amazing to sit back and look at the strides that they made. And, you know, at one point in the broadcast, somebody, somebody joked, this was because the crowd wasn't big enough, but you could hear the communication on, on the defensive end of the floor in in the first half of their kind of, you know, I think it might've actually was, uh, I think it was the first half that you can hear guys kind of talking through screens and fight through it and fight over it and um and, and that kind of thing and just you know the understanding of the rotations and things like that is just night and day if you would I mean I I do not recommend nor will I be um going back to watching like any of those you know terrible performances earlier in the season but I think if if anyone was able to stomach that experience you would see some pretty dramatic differences in the way this this team is just rotating and, and, and covering uh, you know covering things in ball screens and things like that where they were just getting just murdered on early in the season and um, so I think it, you know if they're, who knows what ends up happening this season and whether the NIT uh, happens or not and what this team really does in, in any kind of tournament setting. Um, but I think you can definitely look back and, and feel good about the progress they've shown defensively. And for the most part, outside of some of these Illinois games, the, the focus on turning the ball over has has proven effective as well. So if you really want to look at everybody, you wanted to focus on those couple things coming into the season. I think um, it'd be hard not to be pleased uh, with the progress in those areas in year one. All right, coming up in our final
0: segment of this edition of the Assembly Call, we hand out our game balls, we look ahead to Indiana's next opponent, and we deliver our final thoughts on Indiana's victory over Illinois in last call. That is next here on the Assembly Call. Stick with us. You are listening to the Assembly Call IU Postgame Show. I'm Jared Morris here with Andy Bottoms and Ryan Phillips, wrapping up our breakdown of Indiana's 78-68 to 68 victory over Illinois. And it is that time of the show where we hand out our game balls. And while usually I am the very magnanimous host and I give the honors to Andy or Ryan first, I am taking the honors tonight because I am giving my game ball to Juwan Morgan. Uh, I, As I've mentioned many times already on the show, I thought he was magnificent. And there's another stretch that I want to point out. Uh, And for this stretch, I'm going to take you back to the first half. And it was 28 to 20, about three minutes left in the first half. And if you remember from the first Illinois game, Indiana had kind of controlled that first half and then really played poorly down the stretch in the first half, let Illinois back in it. And that was kind of a harbinger for bad things to come in the second half. And for the first few minutes out of the under four minute timeout, it's almost like Juwan just wasn't going to let Indiana kind of fall back into into that trap, into that kind of bad play. And he had a a huge offensive rebound. (laughs) You'll recall that three-pointer that Colin Hartman took from the left wing. And Juwan Morgan just kind of appears out of nowhere and grabs this one-handed offensive rebound. He ended up getting the ball out to Robert Johnson. It was uh, passed around uh, the arc to Josh Newkirk, who ended up driving and scoring. And then uh, the next possession down, he gets back in transition, makes an incredible block without fouling. That leads to a quick bucket up the other way uh, for a layup. So... It was two huge plays by Jawan. He didn't score the points, but he created the opportunities for the points because of the offensive rebound, because of the block. That put Indiana up 12 uh, and gave him a little bit of a cushion because they made a couple of bad plays late. But it was just another stretch where, you know, Jawan didn't score, but he was just out there combining hustle and intelligence in a way that very, very few Indiana big men ever have. I mean, he just plays so well and plays so smart. And I just thought, I mean, I know, again, he's had games where he scored more points, but I think there have been very few games where he has been more impactful in terms of winning than he was tonight. So my game ball goes to Juwan Morgan. Uh, Ryan, would you like to make up tonight's reason why Freddie McSwain gets
2: your game ball? Uh, No, because I'm going with Al Durham. Uh, I thought once Devontae Green went down, I thought that Al Durham added a lot to the team on both ends of the floor. I mean, he was before that, but I thought that he came up with some big plays and... Plays in situations where Illinois was maybe coming back into the game, and he just stuck his foot down, and and he played really well, and you saw a lot of confidence from him, Um, and and I just I really like the way that he's playing. I mean, we knew he was a confident kid when he came in. He sort of hit a wall. Uh, and and he sort of disappeared from, you know, he was playing, but he disappeared from the court for long stretches of time. And I thought tonight was definitely, you know, a reintroduction to Al Durham. I thought he played fantastic. And, and again, five of six from the field, two of two from three, two of two from the free throw line, grabbed two rebounds, played 24 minutes of great defense, and had 14 points total. So I, um, you know, I got to give it to Al. I thought he played really well, and I thought that he stepped up and uh, when the team really needed him. Andy, his career is coming to a
0: close. Only a few games left. Are you going to take this opportunity to give Robert Johnson a game ball? Uh,
1: I am not. I actually, it, it, I probably would have gone with either of the two that you mentioned, but um, I think another senior guard deserves a little bit of uh, recognition tonight. So I'm going to give mine to Josh Newkirk. It hit some really big shots. Hit a big three and that driving layup. In the second half, um, just made some some clutch shots. And quite honestly, after seeing him, I think the first shot he took was a three-pointer that missed the rim and almost went through the backboard. Uh, and he only missed one shot the rest of the way from there and ended up with 11 points and three assists. Did have the three turnovers, but I thought played big minutes in the second half. As Ryan said, once Devontae went out, um, I thought Josh Josh played, played well. Certainly made mistakes. Um, but for a guy who came into the game uh, really looking like he was searching for something, and and really struggling, thinking through every single thing that he was doing. Um, he finally seemed like he just kind of let everything go in the second half, and and just kind of played. And um, he's not going to be a superstar, but I think one of the things that uh, you know we like about thinking about college sports and other guys is you know the chance to see. People, you know, persevere through some struggles and and play well, and I thought tonight was a good opportunity for him to do that. So, definitely would uh, would recognize him again. I, I think probably the two guys that you mentioned would have been my first couple of choices, but I thought Josh had some really really key minutes, uh, and was just happy for him to to play well after struggling so much and, and kind of i think trying to you know come to grips with one the fact that his college career is coming coming close to an end and two um you know he lost his starting job and um so hopefully this gives him some confidence down the stretch it's just not to say that he's going to get the starting job back but i think to be able to have him guys like him and Allen, and justin to be able to come off the bench and provide a lift like they did tonight uh bodes well for this team down the stretch
0: and by the way, I know we've mentioned it on the show before, and I've put it in a couple of the, of the emails that we send out, which if you're not getting, go to assemblycall.com slash join so you get them. But the three of us will be at Robert Johnson's senior night, along with all the other seniors for that game there against Ohio State. Uh, so if you're going to be at the game, we'd love to meet you. Definitely you know, hit us up. Send me an email, jared at assemblycall.com. Send us a tweet. Uh, we're kind of finalizing the plans for where we'll be before the game and after the game. But we'd love to get a chance to see you if you will be there in town uh, uh, or at the game. Um, so, wanted to mention that. Also, the only update that I've seen on Devonte so far, this comes from Zach Osterman on Twitter, said that Archie suggested that Devonte would be sore, but didn't seem terribly worried beyond that. So, that you know is obviously good news. Devonte did not play well tonight, but on balance, over the last five or six games, he has been very good, and he's been a big reason why the team has been playing better. So, uh, any injury to him would uh, would obviously make Indiana really thin in the backcourt and remove their best playmaker. So. Hopefully Devonte doesn't have any, you know, lingering issues from this, and you know maybe learns a few lessons, and and maybe if he got a little overconfident, you know, gets a little of that humility back that that Archie talked about that he had uh, and is ready to to go down the stretch, being a little bit more of that singles and doubles hitter uh, instead of going for the home run so often. Uh, and Andy, speaking of Indiana's next game, the Hoosiers play. Iowa. That is a Saturday afternoon special. We know how Ryan loves the Saturday, the early
2: afternoon games. My
1: favorite. Ryan also complained about the late start time tonight. So I'm curious what the very small window window is (laughs) in which games should be played.
2: I think between five o'clock and like seven. Good. But 830 is late. Come on, guys. Especially for Illinois.
0: Like no Illinois game should go this late, given how much they foul. So always put them in the early slot. But, Andy, you know, Indiana heads up to Iowa. It seems like forever ago that Indiana beat Iowa 77 to 64 at home. Uh, What is awaiting the Hoosiers here up in Iowa City?
1: Uh well Iowa has uh, they played three of their last they lost at Michigan tonight so they've you know lost their last four games three of which were on the road and and against some of the bigger team better teams in the Big Ten um, just three and twelve in the conference right now if you if you look at them from a statistical standpoint. Um, on the season, they're ranked 28th in offensive efficiency overall. But if you just look at conference only, they're seventh. So, right in the middle of the pack. Uh, offensive rebounding percentage is first in Big Ten play. So, uh, we talked about, you know, I use rebounding tonight. That will certainly be uh, a focus area for them, but they have turned the ball over quite a bit. Um, have shot the three well, you know. I think they're they're a team that's going to be known more for offense, uh, certainly based on on their their profile in these last couple of years, uh, and that's good because defensively they are dead last in the Big Ten in uh, in adjusted defense efficiency. They're four points worse than we were last year. I, well, I was just going <laughs> to wonder that because I looked at this number and I'm like, that is good insane. lord. Um, and and I wasn't sure how bad IU was last year. So so yeah, take IU's defense from last year and and make something a little bit worse, and that's what Iowa looks like this year. So. So, um, you know, they've struggled to defend uh, twos and threes pretty equally. So that's, uh, you know, that's good to see. So I think, you know, again, it will be a test for IU's defense if they can continue to play the way they have been and hold Iowa down uh, offensively, I think, much like tonight. Um, you can, if if you take care of the basketball, you're going to be able to find opportunities to score. Uh, but again, road road environment, IU hasn't played great on the road, certainly this season. But a winnable road game, and and certainly the more winnable of the two that are coming up in these next couple for IU.
0: Yep. You are listening to the Assembly Call IU Postgame Show. Remember that because you are an Assembly Call listener, you get 15% off of your entire order at hoosierproud.com. So if you want officially licensed IU gear, one of our Assembly Call logo t-shirts or one of Hoosier Proud's unique Indiana-inspired designs, visit hoosierproud.com and use the promo code assembly at checkout. That's hoosierproud.com promo code assembly for 15% off of your entire order. I'm Jared Morris. I'm here with Andy Bottoms and Ryan Phillips. And it is time for last call. Our final thoughts on tonight's Indiana game. And Ryan, we will go to you first. Last call.
2: You know, another good win for Indiana to get this one out of the way. uh, It's three in a row following a four game losing streak where for the most part, they played pretty well. Uh, three out of those four games, I thought they played pretty well. They shouldn't have lost to Illinois at the beginning of that stretch, but at the same time, played very well against Purdue, played very well against Michigan State. So you're really starting to see a trend with this team uh, where they play defense and they make it difficult on their opponents. And uh, if they can keep that up, then you know they've got a real chance in these last three games. Uh, at Iowa, at Nebraska, not going to be easy, um, but they can win both of those games, make it five in a row heading into senior night. I mean, if they can win those two, if they can win those two games, the, the record looks a lot better at 17 and 12. And, and, you know, you finish, you, you clinch finishing above 500 in the big 10, which a couple weeks ago, I think people didn't think was possible. So, um, again, really nice finish, uh, to this season is, is, is entirely possible especially you know after that really murderous stretch they just went through to get these three wins in a row and be heading to Iowa with a chance to um, to really put an exclamation point in the season would be great and and maybe get into some postseason play so uh, real positive obviously um, well played and and I think that uh, Archie and the team deserve a lot of credit All right,
0: now we'll get Andy's thoughts. And by the way, uh, hopefully you guys know this, but Andy's brackets this year, not at assemblycall.com. They've been moved over to insidethehall.com. We all kind of figured they would get uh, more eyeballs and more exposure over there. And obviously we love our our relationship that we have with Alex Bosich. So it just seemed like a better fit. Uh, So I assume those brackets will start uh, coming out uh, even more regularly now, Andy. But if you're looking for those, obviously follow Andy on Twitter at Andy Bottoms and look for those at insidethehall.com. But your final thoughts on this Indiana victory?
1: Well, you know, again, I've been kind of viewing the Big Ten season in a lot of ways in these three-game segments. And you went three and zero in that last one. Three winnable games that you'd certainly hope or expect that they would win. But uh, you know, certainly were times earlier in the season that that even games you thought that that this team would be able to uh, come out on the on the better end of, they weren't able to. So I think that's a positive sign. I think you know everything just points to this kind of slow and steady growth that they've had. Uh, particularly on the defensive end that that continues to be an area where they uh, have performed really well and i thought you know for me tonight the the biggest thing was in a game where they didn't take great care of the basketball um and and they started both halves kind of sloppy it was it was good to see a number of different guys step up and really kind of pull them out of the malaise that they were in uh in in you know, in those times uh, to have six guys score at least nine points uh, and and to get the production and the lift they got off the bench, uh, I thought was fantastic. And and hopefully the free throw shooting, you know, as much as we've harped on it, uh, this gives them some confidence. You know, Archie has talked so much about it being um, a, a you know, a confidence thing and a, and a mental thing. Uh, so hopefully seeing, you know, 75% of the free throws go down in the second half is a, is a good boost for this team. Because I think, Certainly, if they're going to keep this winning streak up, and if they're going to, uh, you know, if they're going to be able to do that, as Ryan said, and finish the season really strong, the the games that are left project to be much closer than these last few have been. And so, if they're able to to continue that momentum from a free throw perspective, uh, I think that will certainly be important. And so, hopefully, they gain some confidence there. And certainly, guys like Al and uh, and Justin and Josh coming off the bench should uh, should feel good about the way they played. Were a huge factor think at least a couple of them were the guys that Archie sent to the post-game press conference and rightfully so. Uh, maybe all three, uh, to be honest with you. So uh, I think a good sign for them and, and hopefully you know, a springboard that they can have going into these two road games. Uh, I'll be particularly rooting for IU to beat Nebraska so that people can stop asking me why I don't have Nebraska in my projected bracket. Uh, the answer is because you have beaten one team that would be in the tournament if it started today.
0: <laughs> I like it. I like it. Salty Andy, when, when there's like a few teams, a few fan bases that continue to ask about their particular team is always entertaining, Andy. Uh, so my my thoughts, you know, look, we, we are now with this win over Illinois, we are now entering we have now entered charted territory for Indiana. This is the third straight win. And this is the third time all season that Indiana has won three games in a row. They did it earlier this season, then lost to Duke. Uh, that was in November. They did it in January and lost to Michigan State. So obviously, you know, you play a couple, you know, two of the better teams in the country that's a pretty good way to have a a winning streak snapped. But now our hope is that Indiana can enter uncharted territory and get a fourth win in a row, certainly in, as Andy mentioned, a winnable road game at Iowa. And so we're all going to be watching that game with great anticipation to see how Indiana comes out, how that defense stacks up against uh, Iowa's offense. You know, uh, one conversation that I'm starting to see a lot of, and it's totally natural is, you know, you start playing the what if game and you start looking at Indiana's record. Well, man, You know, if we had that Indiana State game back, and look, I tweeted this last week, so I totally get it. It'd be great to have those games back because we all feel like we'd play much better in them. But the Indiana State game, the Fort Wayne game, the Wisconsin game, the Illinois game, like you think about these games that were real opportunities for wins. And I guess I would say about that, like thinking realistically, yeah, you know, the Illinois game is probably the one where you look at and it's like, you know what? I mean, yeah, I'm sure we learned some lessons from it. Hopefully you learn lessons from every loss, but really that game just came down to really bad free throw shooting. So, I mean, that's really one that you want to have back because it's not like anything massive needed to change. I'm not sure how worthwhile it is to wonder about the Indiana State, the Fort Wayne and the Wisconsin losses, because frankly, I'm not sure that the growth that we've seen Indiana make actually happens without those losses. And there's no way to know that, obviously, but a part of me really feels like The embarrassment of the Indiana State loss and the Fort Wayne loss helped these guys who were so offensively driven kind of flip the switch to say, you know what, we've got to change what we're doing and we have to play better defense and the defense really started to, you know, improve. Actually, we saw some shades of it before the Fort Wayne game, but that was obviously a step back. But then the improvement continued after that. And then the Wisconsin game, a huge missed opportunity, maybe Indiana, you know, one of Indiana's worst halves of the season that second half and Archie was ticked off but Indiana has really played well since then especially from a rebounding perspective and so maybe you know for this team that was not good last year and then lost three you know terrific individual players off that team and then you're trying to change a culture I think when you're doing that there are going to be kind of some key moments along the way that kind of help push you back in the your push you into the new direction. And so I just wonder, I know it's easy to look back and say, yeah, if you take this team and put them in those games, they're going to play better. And that is true. But I just wonder if this team would be where it was without those losses. And sometimes a season is a journey where those losses can really mean something. They can help push you toward what you are at the end of the season. The hope is that they don't, you know, those losses don't sink your chances for the NCAA tournament as those losses probably did for Indiana this year. But I just think it's important to remember when you're playing the what if game, don't totally discount those losses as being, completely without worth, because uh, while they are dragging down Indiana's record on the season, I do think that they were important uh, you know, for this team to make the change that they needed to make, and now they are. And so let's enjoy this new defense that we're playing, uh, enjoy this team that really seems to be playing well together, to have a lot of confidence, and, and to be playing really hard. Uh, and they've become a fun team to watch uh, and a team where I think we're all anticipating every next game. Uh, and certainly, you know where they were a couple months ago. Uh, that's a big jump and an exciting jump, and hopefully, it will continue against Iowa and then down for those final two games against uh, against Nebraska and Ohio State. That'll do it for us on this edition of the Assembly Call IU Post Game Show. Remember that our live broadcasts immediately following every IU game are always available on our homepage at assemblycall.com and on our YouTube channel youtube.com/assemblycall. You can always catch up on demand anytime with our podcast. Just search for Assembly Call wherever you listen to podcasts. And don't forget to go to assemblycall.com slash join to join our free email newsletter. And that's assemblycall.com slash join. Thank you for listening. We will talk to you again tomorrow night for Assembly Call Radio. That's Thursday night. And then Saturday after the IU-Iowa game. Until then, keep your elbows in and your eyes on the rim. Go Hoosiers. Thank you for being here and for listening to this episode of the assembly call we appreciate it. And we really do rely on the support of audience members like you to keep our show going and to keep growing. And so we have set up a page on our website at assemblycall.com slash support that lists five ways that you can support the assembly call. And we encourage you to choose whichever method is the easiest and most convenient for you. We appreciate it. Thank you.